This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. Good to be with you today, Matt Patrick here. Uh, we, of course, have got it. it uh, we're hoping for our football update from Broadcorp. Uh, of course, that is, that is uh, you know, he should be happy. They beat the Bears. We'll talk to him coming up in the four o'clock hour. Dr. Joe, who has been sick. We wanted to get Dr. O on two weeks ago. He has been dealing with a little bit of illness. He is uh, He's feeling better, though. He is going to join us today at 3.30. Patrick, how are you, my friend? Uh, pretty good. I had a busy hockey weekend up in Blaine, so that would... Was, that at, was it at the sports center up there? Yep. Were you, how many? How many get, was it high school? What level were you at? Uh, they were... Uh, I'm not really... They're kind of a developmental league. Okay. They are... Uh, no kids, sixteen to eighteen mostly. There are uh, there are some younger leagues in there, but I did uh, eight, uh, U eighteen and U sixteen. Now, is is it is it more of the the skills side of hockey or the fighting side of hockey? Uh, <laughs> that kind of depends on uh, what mood the teams are in when you do them. Okay, because I have you know I, I've, as following hockey, there is there are some programs which are designed to speed agility. You know, eye hand coordination, that sort of thing. There are other ones, mostly Canadian leagues. Most, let's be honest about it, mostly Canadian leagues, uh, which are designed to basically teach you how to beat the living daylights out of someone on the ice. And hey, potato, potato. Um, I had uh, a good weekend. I, I I was taken out as a surprise to the girl from the North Country. That's the Bob Dylan musical have you didn't you haven't seen that was the first time i was in tour um i don't want to steal your thunder i heard it didn't get the best reviews but what did you think of it i i thought it was actually pretty good and in matter of fact it's interesting you brought that up because one of the things that i thought about was i I did read the reviews and the reviews were the first half is great and the second half kind of lags i'm like i don't we all came out of that musical like what are you talking about um it it's it's just i i'm not I thought the second half of that musical was quite good. And and as a matter of fact, I, I mean, it was one of those musicals, and this does not happen often, where we saw it on Saturday. We were talking about it as a family and plot points and characters and set design and all that good stuff. We were talking about that basically through the entire weekend. So we, we thought, I thought it was really good. I thought they integrated the Dylan music perfectly, and it w- the one thing that was a little weird about it was they just started. It wasn't like there's, cra- you know, curtain goes up and dun 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 dun. You know, it's it's not that they just they had people all of a sudden started walking on the stage and they started singing and the lights were up in the theater still. It, it they hadn't lowered the lights or anything. They just people just started singing, and one of the coolest elements of it. 
they had a drum set set up on the stage and at various points actual actors in the production sat down at the drum kit and were playing the drums during the production which was cool as anything that was great then of course i i did go on out because it was a special treat i went out to ocean air oh 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 that lobster bisque oh oh it was it was nice sea bass hello sea bass i love you sea bass do it dynamite man it's fantastic so is there um it was a busy weekend, but I am glad to say we were a little concerned about this. We, we, of course, we here at AM 950 are superly duperly excited because we have got Stephanie Miller and the Sexy Liberal Tour coming back. It's a one night only from Los Angeles pay-per-view event. Uh, and it is something we are looking forward to. It's uh, it's Steph, it's Frangela, it's Hal Sparks, it's John Fugelsang, plus other special guests as well. You can get your pay-per-view pass to go see this. It is it's something that, you know, like I said, it's we have been um just tickled pink that they're they're doing this and and it is good fun. Uh the, the show is on Saturday. It's on Saturday. Um and so yeah, it it's you know going to be a lot of fun. We have been giving away pay-per-view passes, okay? And we've given them away two different ways, including today at some point during the show. We will give out a time to call, and if you are the certain number caller we need, you'll win yourself a pay-per-view pass. See? Simple. We've also been giving it away via our social media sites, AM 950 Radio, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. And we did, and what happens is this, at about 9 o'clock in the morning, we will make an obvious post that this is the post you need to put your your comment in about the the sexy liberal uh, pay-per-view event coming up here. And this is what I was a little concerned about. We put out the code phrase that you're supposed to use on Friday. I was hoping people would remember it. Sexy liberal man crush. Hey, 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 I'm happy because we're going to talk to Steph this week. We're going to talk to John Fugelsang this week. <laughs> Dang right, man. Anyway, uh, so, you know, sexy liberal man crush. That was the phrase. So, Patrick, question for you. Did anyone remember? And we, well, I'm, I'm sure we got a few uh, entries here. Uh, for, and by the way, if you put your comment in there, sexy liberal man crush is the one for Monday today. You are entered into the drawing. We randomly pick someone here. I know we, we've, we've got them in there. People did remember to do this. Patrick, who is our winner of the sexy liberal pay-per-view pass? Todd from Minneapolis, you are a winner for the Friday, Monday weekend edition of the Sexy Liberal Comedy Show giveaway for to, for uh, for social media today. Beautiful. Beautiful. Congratulations. Enjoy that. Now, we erase the board. We're doing it again tomorrow. Once again, at 9 a.m. tomorrow, we are going to put a clear post on the social media pages for AM 950. And I do, by the way, I've had a few people make comments on my, the Matt McNeil show pages. That's not the ones you need. You need the AM 950 pages, okay? The AM 950 Twitter page, the AM 950 Facebook page, and the AM 950 Instagram page. The post will be made tomorrow morning about 9 a.m. In the comment section before 2 p.m., you need to put in the phrase, Steph is awesome. 
dang right she is. Steph is awesome is the phrase that you need to put into tomorrow's social media post between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. If you do, you'll be entered in for the drawing and you might win yourself a pay-per-view pass. Steph is awesome. I'll remind you of that once again a little bit later on. All right. And reminder, listen to the show today. At some point, we'll call for a certain number caller. You're the number caller. You'll win yourself a pay-per-view pass to see uh, Stephanie Miller's Sexy Liberal Show coming up here on Saturday. 952-946-6205. So I want to start off with something that is, I, I knew I was going to get exactly what I got when I made this post on social media. And you can still see this post up on social media. Uh, the post is uh, one is about leaves. And it was on Friday that I, I went out there and I said, wait a second here. When didn't we used to rake leaves? I was looking out in my backyard and I took a picture of it actually. And, and, and I posted the picture on, on social media. This was on Saturday, but on Friday I, I looked at my wife and I looking at our backyard and our backyard is basically leaf free a few leaves, not much. And I looked at my wife and I said, wait a second here. We've always had to rake in early to, to before mid-October. We've always had to rake once. And that's about a third of our leaves. Then the bulk of the leaves come down in, on, um, and basically by the end of the month. And I said, didn't, don't we usually, don't, haven't we usually raked up a pile of leaves by this point? And she wasn't sure. So I went back up on iPhotos on my computer and I went back to in time and I posted a picture from October 8th of 2011. And it's a picture of my three kids jumping into a fairly substantial sized leaf pile that we had just raked up, which is something that consistently, at least up until I think 2020, I mean, my kids don't jump into leaf piles anymore. And that was kind of one of the catalysts of it was the kids were always like, wanted to do the, you know, you know, the Charlie Brown charge, jump into the leaf pile sort of thing. Uh, they wanted to do that. And, and so we'd always get out there and we had to do leaves anyway. So we'd rake up a big pile of leaves and the kids would go jump in them. And then they'd jump in them a little bit later on too. I think it's one of the greatest things about Minnesota in fall is jumping in a leaf pile. There is something about rejuvenating your sanity that, that comes with something like that. That was October 8th, 2011. We are 12 years later. It's October 16th. My yard still barely has any leaves in it. So I'm past a week past when I raked those leaves up, which is clearly, once again, we are looking at the consequences of climate change. And it is happening and happening incredibly rapidly right in front of our face. And, and the, the reality is, is people are just choosing not to see it. So I knew there would be inevitable comments. And it didn't take long for me to get righto, anti-climate change guy, Matt, what are you talking? You're just panicking. So it's a few days later. Talk about making a big pile out of nothing. 
I had multiple people criticize me on multiple social media accounts, implying that somehow, some way that this was just no, there was no difference. Now, once again, I want to repeat these two pictures because obviously the picture from 2011, the leaves didn't just all fall in the tree out of the tree in that day into one little pile. They did not do that. It, the leaves had been falling most years. They start coming down with some force sometime around late September. I, I went back and looked at some other photos there. It sure looks like the leaves were starting to come down with a little more intention around September 20th. But most times it looked around September 25th or so. That's when you started seeing more and more leaves in the backyard, at least in my backyard. So that's leaves coming down substantially on a measurable amount. September 25th is when you started seeing it. Henceforth, a week and a half later, September 8th, here we are raking up leaves almost two weeks later. It's, it, and I said September, uh, September 8th, October 8th. On October 8th, you're raking up leaves. Here it is eight days later from that. And there are no leaves in my backyard. I've been hiking the last two weekends to go to try to find some good fall color pictures for the calendar. Everything's still freaking green now. I will say there has been a market change since yesterday that yesterday and today I have noticed a lot more oranges and reds out there, but it's October 16th. The, this is three weeks late. I want to repeat that. This is three weeks late. This isn't a day or two one way or the other. I had one person say, oh, trees, just, you know, Matt, I don't know what you're talking about. So, so the tree dropped leaves one time in September and they do it sometime in October. It's like, dude, not three weeks later, three weeks. This is a problem. There's a lot of problems. There's the minor inconvenience element of it, which is, as multiple people did also chime in on this that if you live in certain cities, in certain municipalities, that you have free leaf pickup generally up until a certain point. And yeah, for us, I mean, we, we have to bag them. Some people, you can just rake them into the street, which, by the way, God bless you. You, you just you, Cars can't be parked on the street. You can rake the leaves into the street. The street cleaner comes through and sucks them all up, and they're all gone. You know what I'm talking about. Most cities have had to extend their leaf pickup well into November. I want to remind people, we used to be done with leaf pickup in my town in Hopkins by November 3rd or 4th. That weekend, we'd always have to, we'd have to be out there getting the rest of the leaves up because they weren't coming back. And it wasn't like there were still tons of leaves on the trees. It started getting that way. And the city realized they couldn't just do it early, so it became then. You're going to have to do leaf pickup now till Thanksgiving. Think about that. That's nuts. That's like southern Iowa. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, leaf pickup is going to have to be extended in most major cities until Thanksgiving. So there's a minor inconvenience. How about a major one? This is just not freaking normal. 
This is not normal. It is wildly abnormal. And it is just yet the latest in examples of things changing dramatically. And I, and I last week, I talked about that New York Times editorial that came on out that, that basically said, this is really weird. We are seeing a year that is so wildly out of tune with even the last 10 years of warmed planet. This year is off the charts in record territory that no one quite knows what's going on. It is somewhat terrifying to see this, to see just in real time in 12 years, a three-week difference in leaf pickup in just our yards. Three weeks. And yet I still, still had numerous Republicans insist to me, it's normal, which is laughable. It is beyond laughable. Go take a look at the pictures of yourself. They're up on the Facebook page and on the Twitter page and the Blue Sky page and the Threads page and the Mastodon page. And sweet Jesus, I can't stand social media. Uh, <laughs> I post it everywhere. Off you go. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. When I come back, I'm going to briefly touch on one element of this climate change that involves the insurance companies. But as well, another comment I knew was coming. I knew was coming. And... It's from the progressive side. I'll get there in just a second. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. The Mad McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Say you miss me, say you want to kiss me. Like to better AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Mad McNeil Show. Yeah, we are jam-packed this week. Cool again tomorrow. Stein and Steph Miller on Wednesday. Fugel sang... On Thursday, just loaded to the gills. So make sure you're with us all week right here on AM 950. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw the Minnesota Reformer story. And it was a reprint, a reprint of a grist story. And, and basically it was saying that in the same sense is that if you go to Florida now and you buy a house down there, that unless you are paying obscene rates, and I'm talking like, you know, $100,000 a year rates on insurance that you can't get insurance for most houses down there. And, you know, in, in even to qualify for the obscene rates, you have to build a house with very specific parameters that can survive storms. So it, it's, it's, there's a lot, large swath of Florida, which is becoming uninsurable, which I want to remind people who keep saying private sector, that's the private sector abandoning the consumer. That's the private sector abandoning the consumer. Well, now they're doing this out in wildfire areas, out in the West particularly, where they're not insuring houses anymore that are in areas that are prone to wildfires. And it's like I said, it's, it's Republicans screaming at the top of their lungs, Climate change isn't real, but the same Republicans screaming, why can't I find anyone to insure my house? This is unfair. But if the federal government actually did start a federal government insurance program, the same people, would, as they took advantage of it, would be screaming, classic government 
overreach. <laughs> uh, you can't help some of these people. You just can't. So, no, it's, it's, it is really remarkable how just, you know, it, it, we have changed the planet. And we see it around ourselves. I've got tropical flowers in my backyard that usually are dead. I mean, I usually they're dead. They look horrible by say mid September, and I have to buy a big mum basket. Um, this time around, um, they're still alive and they're still growing. That's a month late. Animals are changing. We're going to start getting more bacteria and gunks in lakes. Man, this is scary. This is freaking scary to see a three-week change in a, in 12 years. Think about that again. Okay, so let's let's just do another three weeks in 12 years, which would mean by 2035, we would have leaves still in the trees, fairly green in, in, in early November. How stupid can we be as a society? Uh, by the way, I also. Now, this person that made this post, I think made it a little tongue in cheek. But I also say they made the post. This comes from the progressive side of things. And as I posted the picture uh, from 2011, where my kids were jumping into a leaf pile, I did have the standard, Matt, what are you doing? Do you know how many bugs and worms need those leaves to live? Well, first of all, I got bad news about the bugs and worms from 2011. I don't think they're still around. I think they're pretty much all gone. Um, I try my best to be fairly, you know, efficient sort of thing. I've got hybrid cars. I, I just put in a brand new super duper, um, you know, yeah, energy efficient water heater. I try to do these things because, you know, I, I believe in making change. I, I don't live, I don't live in like Nisswa or, or Park Rapids uh, out in the country where I could probably leave all the, gra- the, 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 the leaves on the ground and be, no one would even notice. But I don't. I live in Hopkins and in Hopkins, there is actually rules about cleaning up your yard. You have to kind of do that. That being said, no, this is, this is where, this is kind of where the left gets a little derailed here, where it's like, you know, I remember when I had to deal with a snapping turtle that was actually invaded our beach at our cabin and was actually a threat to my young daughter at that time, could have easily pulled her under. It was a huge snapping turtle. And I had to get my neighbor to kind of, you know, help us out here, take care of business. And the, the, the people who were, how dare you, Matt, you had an opportunity. You could have sent up, set up a, a viewing blind and watched nature's majesty. Yeah. Okay. Um, <coughs> I'm there to, to, to have fun at my cabin, not, uh, you know, do mutual of Omaha there, uh, Marlon. And, uh, you know, so no, I, I'm, I'm good with, um, you know, using my beach and dock and not turning over the residence to a snapping turtle. It's it just kind of who I am. 
Doesn't mean I'm going out of my way. I don't hunt anymore, and I all the fishing I do is catch and release. But it is not something that I am looking to go on out there and, you know, let's mount it on the wall. Thumbs up. <coughs> no, it, it is a... No, no, you don't. Uh, Hey, kids, we're not going to swim and and do boating and tubing. You know what we're going to do this time? What we're going to do, we're going to just basically sit around and watch a turtle for two weeks. Is that going to be great? No, they already were were plotting my downfall if I would have suggested that. I get it. There are ways to live. I love nature areas. I'm up in them all the time. I think that they're fantastic. Fantastic. Up in there, all in there, baby. I'm up all in those nature areas. (laughs) But I am not about to turn my, my, my yard into an ant farm because majesty and splendor of, of, of the worm mating process. No, I'm good. I'll go with grass, which means I'm going to (sighs) rake just the way I am. I, I know I'm I'm out there. I'm a weirdo, one of those weird guys that likes a yard with his house. Uh yeah. I uh yeah. Nine nine five two nine four six six two oh five. I love you, dear. I do love you, dear, that gave you that comment, but okay, enough. And I know I know the fact that I brought this up means I'm going to get a lot of pushback from this. I'm ready for it. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Take a break. Dr. Joe joins us. We'll get a COVID update from him. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Wow. I get love. Love that, man. And by the way, uh, we'll have a pair uh, a pay-per-view pass to give away a little bit later on this show. Uh, listen for that. And then reminder, the phrase for tomorrow on the social media post is Steph is awesome. Steph is awesome. That's the phrase for tomorrow's social media post. All right. All right. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. It is nice to have him back because he has not been feeling the best for the last few uh, weeks here, but he's kind enough to join us. Dr. Joe Eastman is our COVID modeling specialist. He's worked with NASA, uh, WinLogics, LTER, uh, as well as also Colorado State University, uh, University of Texas, Austin COVID modeling team. He is up north. He's kind enough to join us today to give us his latest thoughts on COVID and how things are going. Hi, Dr. Joe. How are I, I, I'm glad you're feeling better enough to join us today. Hi, <laughs> thank you very much. It, it's been a long haul. <laughs> no, you that's didn't. Sure. You didn't have COVID. You just had this cold that's going around, correct? That's correct. It should have been about a two day event. And, uh, because of my pre-existing condition that uh, we're on day 15 right now, but it's, it's almost gone. So well, good. I can get back to normal now and uh, recover from the saddest day of the year yesterday. I, I had to take my boat out. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but well, I mean, it's not that cold up there. You still could have gotten a week or so in. 
Yeah, I know. They came and yanked my dock out this morning, so I had no choice. You can park it on the beach. Come on, Joe. <laughs> I, I know. I'm, I'm getting old and failing here. <laughs> <laughs> I see a quitter. All right. <laughs> um, first of all, I don't know if you saw the story. There was a, a new breaking story that came down. From New York Times today, studies and research on the long COVID, and they have discovered that the serotonin, it was a lack of, there's, or it, it, at least this is an interesting uh, course of uh, research, that they have tracked a lack of serotonin in the body to long COVID. I don't know if you saw that, that, that is, that's an interesting, it's, it's nice to see we're getting the scientists involved here to, to really kind of break down what is going on there with these long COVID cases. Yeah, um, actually, the the the, uh, the idea comes from a few years ago. I've I've seen a little bit of literature, but I'm I'm glad to see people are finally picking up on it a little bit more and uh, starting to research it because uh, we continue to find out more and more stuff about the long COVID, and uh, we're we're just beginning the journey on that. So um, yeah, that was a positive development. I just haven't had a chance to uh, read it thoroughly because I've been catching up all day on all the time I missed. <laughs> well, it, it, and what are you seeing and, and when, you're, when you're looking at what's, you, you, sometimes that's actually a great way to look at things. I mean, you're, you're seeing a few weeks worth of information come through. What are some of the signs that you're and, and some of the patterns that you're picking up on right now as you go back and review this information? Yeah, what, uh, what I'm mainly seeing right now is uh, a big change in the, uh, the variance. Um, one of the ones that I tagged as uh, kind of a leader was uh, FL151, and and I see that's waning in the uh, the scary one, which has the highest uh, highest growth advantage of anything I've seen yet. He is um, the HK or HB1 virus variant, and uh, that's really picking up steam. It's in second place now in terms of the the race for the lead variant, still behind the EG5. That one, but uh, there's another one to keep your eye on, and it's called HK3. And and both of these, uh, their immune escape and their bonding efficiency to the ACE2 protein is just incredible, and and that means they're going to linger in your body a long time. So and, um, that's great. Where where are these variants? Are we talking about here in the U.S.? Is where these variants uh, are now emerging now, or are they worldwide? That's right. They're they're basically worldwide, but uh, they're starting to pick up steam, especially in the northeast United States. If you look at what's going on in Boston and some of the New England states, uh, they're they're getting another surge right now. Um, the other thing to kind of look at is the uh, the respiratory viruses and the flu are are starting. We're basically repeating last year right now, mm-hmm. and that cycle's just starting to go right. Right at the moment, and we're seeing a lot of hospitalizations for for kids under six and and the uh, older adults like myself. They're over sixty, so um, we're in for another one of those uh, three month periods that is not going to be real pleasant. And I noticed on my trip to the oncologist last week, they were telling me they were actually short staffed on the other floors because everybody was getting COVID around there. Wow. So, um, yeah. Um, but I, I think that's starting to wane a little bit in Minnesota, but uh, as the respiratory picks up and dominates for a while, then COVID's going to sit there and new variants will come on. 
and we'll repeat the cycle. It's, um, it's unfortunate. We need to we need to mitigate this a little better than we're doing right now. Two weeks ago, I got my COVID shot and my flu shot together. About a week and a half ago. And I was talking to the, the pharmacist, uh, the, the, I think, nurse practitioner that was giving in the shots at that, that pharmacy. And she very, very straightforward said, okay, no, I think that this is what you're going to see from here on out is it might be for the time being two shots a year, but we're going to get the COVID into almost kind of a flu-like model of prevention where there'll be the COVID shot and a flu shot and you'll be able to have them both at the same time. And that's going to just kind of be the standard course there. Um, you know, obviously there there's variants. And obviously with the flu shots, you can have variants of the flu or, you know, see how the, 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 the variant that that flu shot is directly addressing somehow breaks through with an individual. I mean, that does happen. But, I mean, is that that scenario, as, as you're going to see it now, is that seem to be where the pharmaceutical industry and the medical industry seem to be focusing on is just kind of getting this down to a once or twice a year vaccine for COVID that is updated with any of the variants that come forward. Well, I, I hate to say it, but it's, it's wishful thinking in my opinion, you know, um, right now influenza A, by the way, is the dominant one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're, they just allocated another uh, uh, half a billion dollars for, for the next generation of, of vaccines, but um, this thing is is going through an evolutionary stage at a rapid pace that, frankly, we haven't seen before. So that's the frightening thing about it right now. And um, you know, the the whole idea of comparing it to the to uh, flu is is kind of kind of backwards because um, the problem is. You do get some long-term symptoms from flu occasionally, but the way COVID's evolving, it's it's slowly eating away at our, our immune systems. And until we stop it, I mean, I've seen uh, heads of state refer to it as COVID now. Um, it, it's getting that serious in terms of what it's doing to our immune system and how it's genetically engineering ourselves. So. Um, I, I can't see that scenario in the near-term future. I'll put it that way. Well, so can, that's something down the road. Can you, you, I, I, you can use as much science as you need. I want you to explain something you just sort of said. It's like the evolutionary process of the COVID, COVID virus is, is like nothing we have seen before. It's kind of a, can you elaborate more on that and kind of give us what, what that exactly means? Yeah, um, if you look at it, uh, in fact, I put a, a pretty good uh, explanatory post in my newsletter today. Um, if you look at what I was looking at, like, say, back in May, um, we had a chart of all the variants and their lineages and how they go. And the thing was fairly painless to look at it. I mean, it wasn't cluttered or there wasn't anything, you know, jump out at you in terms of complexity. And then I looked at the, the newest chart last night, and I went, holy buckets, what has happened here? <laughs> it's It looks like somebody just took a bunch of letters and numbers and threw them at, a, at the wall and saw them stick. There are so many variants out there, and there's no sign of this stopping. And, you know, for instance, the BA286 just got another 30 new mutations. Uh, keep your eye on that, by the way. Uh, it, it's The pace is just 
I can't even keep up with it. I, I can't keep my model up to date because it seems like every couple of weeks I got something new I got to account uh, for. And that, that sets me back another week to get it, things ready and calibrate and such. And uh, like I say, this is not uh, something we're, we're used to seeing in terms of the number of mutations. And that's because we don't, we don't uh, mitigate it properly. We let it just run amok and get inside people, especially people like me that are immune suppressed, where it can sit and linger for a long time and reproduce and, and produce more mutations. And uh, that's kind of what's going on right now. So every time we have a new mutation, we could have another potential problem. Um, and and just so, to put this in perspective, let's let's compare it. And, and I know you just said it's not fair to compare the two, but when a flu virus goes through a mutation or an evolution, it, you know, it, it's at a much slower rate, and it doesn't. It's it's not so in, in a thousand different branches. That's that's correct. It, oh, yeah. um, if you look at it historically, it's pretty much used up all, uh, not all of them, but used up a lot of the, its uh, ability to mutate because there's only so many proteins that it can it can go through. Whereas um, COVID is is doing things with its proteins at spots on the body of the prote- of the virus and, and of course the spike spike mutations. But right now the body mutations are the ones that are causing this immune escape in this whole re-engineering of the uh, DNA within our cells. So um, the, the two are much different. Uh, it's If you put a rate on it, I would say at least three to four orders of magnitude greater is the evolutionary pace of, uh, of COVID versus the flu. How much of how much of this evolutionary process is a product of just human? Let's be honest, human laziness when it comes to COVID nowadays. People don't wear face masks. We're back to school. No one's even thinking about COVID anymore. We're going to have the holidays. We, I mean, this pattern is going, is going to repeat itself over and over again. Where we get back in September, back to school, it starts to rise, goes through Thanksgiving, goes through Christmas, finally peaks out in January, February, and starts to drop down again. Uh, you know, right now it, it it seems like you know. The United the, the, the human beings are at the point where they're almost kind of encouraging this you know this evolution in a in a, I guess I don't you know not because there's a hope that it you know evolves into something that's not harmful but rather just a I don't care. <laughs> you hit the nail right on the head with that comment. <laughs> I mean that is so spot on. It um, it's really frustrating because we know what we can do. There's there's uh, neutral variant variant neutral mitigation strategies that we can use, like the masking and getting everybody vaccinated. I mean, last I saw, uh, it was less than seven percent of the eligible people had uh, gotten a new booster. Um, it, it's really pathetic, and it, and part of it comes, you know, because we've kind of minimized it and said this is our new normal and accepted that. Uh, we've done that in the past, you know. Uh, if you look at the uh, pandemic in 1918, and and then they started finding things out like 20, 30 years later that long-term consequences of that, because you know we didn't we didn't have the technology then to really mitigate it properly. So uh, we're we're looking at things down the road long be long after me and you are gone from this earth. So um, you, see, you know, and you look at when school starts, it's. I'm looking at a graph right now of Florida, and it's just absolutely incredible. School starts, and all of a sudden, 
bang, there goes the spike, and then it spreads to other age groups and and repeats the process, and uh, we just let it go, and uh, that's unfortunate. Well, and and it's and it's and in Florida, it's a speci- uh, specifically egregious because I mean they have a, a state government who is saying there's nothing to worry about, and I mean there are people dying, a lot of people dying every day in Florida, and you know you you would never even know it because the mentality is just to ignore it and hope it goes away. Yeah, and they they got an attorney general. I I think people should bring a, a, a standing a lawsuit against this guy because. He's he's warning people against taking vaccines for Grammy's sakes. I mean, good grief! How does this guy a doctor is beyond my? I can't fathom it. You said <laughs> he's really attorney kidding. general. It's, it's surgeon general. The surgeon general down there. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I well, forget his name. Oh yeah, I think we saw him on Bewitched, Doctor Bombay, if I'm not mistaken. I, <laughs> okay. I think that's our medical professional right there. Um, so you and I have both been COVID vaxxed. You got your COVID vaccine, right? Yeah, I got the uh, uh, Moderna spike vax, and uh, because I couldn't get the Novavax yet, but uh, that continues to show good promise. By the way, outperforming the other other vaccines that are out there. And if you've ever had a reaction to the uh, mRNA vaccines, I, I urge you to reconsider and and take the Novavax because that's a traditional protein based vaccine that uh, shouldn't elicit the kind of response you're getting from the mRNA vaccines. So I got, um, I, I got spike vax too. Uh, so, and I, and I, this, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the fact that I can, Hey, is this the right one to get? And you're like, yes, get this one. You're good. Okay. I guess I, I appreciate that. Dr. Joe. Um, and, and they, I, I was going to mention, they, they got another one that new technology that looks really promising and, and that's a, a nasal vaccine that they're they're working on right now. And if you think about it, doesn't that make sense? Your your nasal and, and throat and those passages are the first line of defense. So why not prevent it from even getting to the lungs that's, if you can? That's a good. That actually is a really good idea. I will say this: it does sound like you and I had been both shocked. The VA was actually you know was behind. It seemed in getting the COVID vaccines out there. They now actually do have scheduled times you can get in there. I don't think it's the Novavax though. I think it is. Uh, I think it's the Spike Vax that they've got. But it, it the, the the good news is with the the, the veterans at, at the VA, we're now starting to get them involved in the vaccine process as well. Yeah, holy moly, that was a, a travesty. And the, you know, the other thing is, since they ended the emergency de- declaration back in May, we we suddenly started kind of privatizing the distribution and and some of these other things, relying on insurance companies and stuff. And you see people getting on on the same insurance I am, but they're in a different state. They're getting charged 150 bucks for a, a jab of the yeah. vaccine. I mean. This is outrageous, uh, and it all stems back to ending the uh, emergency declaration back in May. That was a big mistake. And, and uh, Republican states allowing crap insurance get in there, for goodness sakes. I mean, thank God oh, I'm in Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, last thing here, because I, I did not have you have you on since this was announced. Um, it was announced a few weeks ago. Minnesota had hit 15,000 dead in covid I think that we would all pre-2020, if anyone said 15,000 people in the state of Minnesota are going to die from something, we would have done anything in our power. Unfortunately, the vast majority of people just probably didn't even realize 15,000 people had died and just shrugged their shoulders because, God forbid, anything get in the way of their 
buffalo chicken wings and watching a sporting event at a bar. And and, and I just, I, I would like your thoughts because, I mean, that is a pretty, considering this is just the state of Minnesota, it's 15,000, and it's now more than that. It, it is pretty astronomical. It it, it really is. And, uh, you know, this, this stems back to uh, leadership uh, from our health, health departments and uh, all the way up to the national level. Um, this whole thing of, of minimizing things, in the, you know, I hate to be cynical, but economic factors and politics playing a role in public health is the most crazy thing I've ever heard in my life. And it should not be involved one iota in, in our decision making. And uh, unfortunately, that's what's happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to continue to see this until people really get ticked off and start uh, confronting the leaders and letting them know what they think. And uh, I encourage everybody to do that if they can. Uh, Dr. Joe Eastman, uh, if you're not following him on Substack and reading his daily or his, his regular updates, and I shouldn't say daily, his regular updates there, uh, you should be. I'll link to that a little bit later on. Uh, Dr. Joe, once again, glad you're feeling better. Still rest up, get 100%, and and, and bless you. I appreciate you coming on. I, I really, it always is is great to have the new information. And I, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, hosting me and letting me get the word out. And um, I hope you're feeling better, too. You had a little bit of a spell on it yeah. yourself. So. <laughs> yeah, but that was that, that cold that went around because I happened to go near a college campus. Thanks for that, college. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's, all right, Dr. Joe Eastman, I will take a break, wrap up our one when we come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Well, good to have Dr. Joe back and, and good that he's feeling better. And sorry about the boat, sir. Uh, also, should remind her Michael Broadcorp comes in to talk Vikings football. Our our political guy, his, his he does enjoy being a, a, the Vikings guy. Uh, we'll talk to him about the win in Chicago yesterday. Uh, coming up here in the four o'clock hour, plus your chance to win tickets to the Stephanie Miller pay per view. All right, I shouldn't say tickets; it's it's a pay per view pass. That's what it is. So, um, it is it's it's it really is remarkable how politicized medicine has gotten, and it's interesting because. There is a story that came out on Friday. Healthcare workers at Alina Health System voted to unionize Friday in what is described as now the largest private sector union in the country. The union, represented by Doctors Council SEIU Local 10MD, includes about 550 physicians, nurse practitioners, and physician assistants who work at Alina Clinics. The company is based in Minneapolis but has clinics all across Minnesota, Wisconsin. So this is people, and you know, we want to make sure I, understand, I put this out there. Things have gotten so bad for most people in this country that even doctors and nurses are frantically having to unionize. You know, nurses have been unionized, but the doctors are now unionizing because they are being treated poorly. Um, I, I, God bless you. All my best there. I hope you guys get everything you deserve because you guys are all angels. And I've said that before and I'll say that again. But I, it, it's interesting because I've already had Republicans say, you can take your liberal union doctors and get out of our town. And I can't wait for that same Republican in, oh, I don't know, three or four years. Why is there no doctors in our town? I, I don't know. We're friendly people. You guys can't even help yourselves anymore. That's what your problem is. But the reality is, is I, I stand by the doctors and nurses because, you know, you guys saved a lot of lives. 
a lot of lies uh, in the last few years. Hour two, that's up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Monday. Good to be with you, Matt and Patrick here today. 952-946-6205. And a reminder, as always, all these interviews, we spotlight them. Dr. Joe, Michael Broadcorp, a little bit later on, they'll be spotlighted. You can listen to them at your pleasure at uh, any place you can stream us. Hey, it's modern radio. We're everywhere now. We are absolutely everywhere. You can actually say that under your like your smart device at home, and they play me. It's nutsoid, man. Man, is it like uh, the second coming of Freddy Krueger? Play the Matt McNeil show. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh, I, 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 I'm at an occurrence currently in an eternal struggle with my Alexa where it basically is no you're not listening to me although for a while there that thing was saying some real sweet things to me it was making my wife real jealous uh it was you know why thank you Matthew what a great question yeah see I have my ways it's called the mad appeal all right 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 I was just going for a damn hike. You see a Bigfoot was sighted in Colorado? Another did, Bigfoot? I did not see this story. Apparently, guys on a train, some Bigfoot, I guess, <laughs> got surprised by the train. Oh, oh, God. Oh, no, no, no. You're not supposed to see me. I got to get Bakken on sometime. I'll get Bakken on this weekend. I'll get Bakken on, on Friday. I'm going to get Bakken on this Friday. We're going to talk about the Bigfoot in Colorado because... It, it's 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 interesting. These people are on a train, and they, there was a Bigfoot. Now, I would say it is a prime opportunity to, for someone to go to there by the train tracks in a Bigfoot costume, knowing the train's going to come on by, and, oh, look at me, Bigfoot. But at, at the same time, it does have, there is a little bit of, uh, you know, Bigfootiness to the, 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 the image. It's It's a big fella. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if it's true or not, but family, I love them. Have I, have I, do you know why the, 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 the Sasquatch, the Bigfoot's part of the icon of the logo here of the show? Did you ever hear the story? I actually have not heard the story about this. I'm at the, this is years ago, 15 years ago. I'm at the gym and this woman's trying to pick me up. And she touches my arm. And, and if you don't know, I'm furry. Not Robin Williams kind of like, oh, my God. But kind of, you know, I've, I definitely, you know, if the nuclear apocalypse come, you're going to be harvesting me. I mean, it's just that kind of thing. You'll be knitting sweaters for me, that sort of thing. And she, she looks at my arm and she goes, oh, you're furry. You're a little sexy Sasquatch. Really? A sexy Sasquatch, you say? I never thought of it that way. Um I don't think a lot of people have. I think I learned more about that woman's personal uh, that day than anything else, but it stuck. And so that's why I'm the sexy Sasquatch, baby. Why not? I'll go. I'll run with that one. 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. A lot to get to coming up here with uh, Broadcorp and, and things there, but I got to get to the stories that broke basically last week on Friday. Well, one story broke, but it is tragically the second 
version of this that's happened. Although what happened on Friday, holy God, it's somewhat terrifying. Now, I want to go back a little further and uh, talk about something that had happened at the Plainview Elgin Millville High School. Residents of Plainview are on edge as law enforcement investigates two incidents that occurred in the week leading up to the homecoming. The first incident involves what Plainview Police Chief Jason Tim described as an alleged assault involving one victim and several perpetrators. The second allegedly involves a minor being shot at by fellow students with paintballs while driving, causing an estimated $1,200 damage to his truck. Both incidents involve Plainview Elgin Millville High School students though the two events don't appear to be related. They do contribute to a picture of chaotic and unruly week among some students in advance of homecoming where school officials abruptly canceled some homecoming-related events. A letter sent to the parents on Wednesday from Darren Storsall, Strosall, Strosall, the school district superintendent, revealed the alleged assault prompted school officials to bring in an outside investigator to look at the matter further after initial review found students only had violated the district's uh, code of conduct. Well, if they're violently attacking someone, they're breaking other laws too. That's called assault. Stop with your freaking Archie Comics kind of definition of it's the bully behind the school. It's assault. It's physical assault. That's what it is. I get it. Hey, I don't know who's involved. It could be a star player on the football team. But stop looking at, well, we got to get to eight wins and say to yourself, why is that guy getting a platform courtesy of the school when they are violently assaulting other people? But that's the case. The first incident surfaced this week in the form of a short video. Tim said it shows a student who's allegedly been tied up, assaulted, and possibly left alone for some time. That would that would seem to be a that would seem to be a crime. I mean, that, would, that would seem to be a crime to me. We received information that we do don't feel is limited to a con- conduct issue. It's more potentially criminal level as far as an assault goes. Yeah, it is. That's called assault, kidnapping at the very least. He said his office is interviewing witnesses and suspects and will decide in the coming days whether to refer the matter to the Wabasha County Attorney's Office. I don't know why is the Wabasha County Attorney waiting for your word. The county attorney should be looking into this themselves. What, what was that? A student that was tied up and kept hostage in a situation? Oh, we'll take the case. I don't know why the school gets to determine whether or not, well, he plays hockey. We can't prosecute that guy. Is that what this is? Because it kind of sounds like that's what this is. Um, Strosall, the superintendent, wrote the district is poised to take further action. If that doesn't scream to you that it is a star football player or hockey player or basketball player, and and you know, you know, we're gonna have some in school detention. You know, sure, they traumatized a human being for life and, and, and basically kidnapped and tied them up and assaulted them. But you know what? I think we can get—they're going to have to do an extra book report. I think that that—and the other kid kind of deserved it. You know, we can't have this kid not playing hockey. Come on, man! So that's what it sounds like. What we can share is that certain behaviors were unacceptable and we issued corrective actions, he wrote. We will continue to, they are 
desperately trying to keep this in that school. That, that They are desperately trying to keep this in the school. Attorney General Keith Ellison, can you go take a look at this? Because I don't think that these people have the best interest of the victim at heart here. We will continue to investigate as new information becomes available. In that matter, we are involving independent investigators in ongoing investigation. Meanwhile, Jessica McNallan said fellow students allegedly shot paintball at her son while he's driving on a dark rural road last Wednesday night, causing $1,200 worth of damage to his truck. There are paintballs that hit his truck while he's driving. He's 16. He's very novice driver. He's obviously distracted with that. And literally seconds later, his back windshield shattered behind his head while he was driving. So they shot out. That's also, oh, I don't know, assault. And although it's paintball guns, it might not be assault with a deadly weapon. But if they're doing it in the act to possibly drive a car off the road, which could indeed end in this kid getting killed... There should be some little more than just a oopsie kind of consequences. Police were called to the scene after son pulled over. The Wabasha County Sheriff's Office is investigating the matter. So, you know, this is, once again, the, the predictable. You know, you've got, you've got bad behavior here at Plainview Elgin Millville High School. Which is being worked on, and once again, clearly by the story, desperately trying to be keeping hidden. What happened at Waterville uh, Elysian Morristown School is no longer, it can't be swept under the rug. And I don't care how many wealthy white kids in the community, I don't care how many star football players, I don't care how many hockey players are involved in this. You have absolute freaking chaos unfolding in the Madison Lake area. An attack on a family of color that left racial epitaphs and swastikas drawn on their vehicle windows caused the Waterville Elysian Morristown School District to cancel all homecoming activities Friday as students were suspected. Um, the security camera footage. No, it's, it's basically, I want to make sure we're clear here. Most of these kids in the camera are not wearing masks. It's easy to identify who's involved. So when the school district says, well, where some kids are suspected of being there, no, there's a camera footage of it. Those are the students. They're there. A security camera captured the suspects in the act in the Lesseur County Sheriff's Office is investigating. Madison Lake resident Chad Aladin says he was home at the time when he realized his house had been vandalized Monday evening. I would say it was around 11 to 11.30. I went out to put my dog out, and he she went halfway to the door and immediately froze. I could tell someone was either out there or had been there. Aladdin said then he remembered it was uh, the the um, WEM district's homecoming week and went outside to see what had been going on. It, this isn't the first time the family has had issues with students at the school, he said. First off, uh, first all I saw, I mean, the trees were covered with toilet paper, but the past was uh, when this has happened, when my daughter was in school there, they vandalized her car. So my next step was to go look at my son's car to see if anything had been done. He later found racist and inappropriate writing on the windows and said he called the Lesseur County Sheriff's Department to report the incident. Aladdin said he heard around 50 kids were involved in the incident. 50, 50. I'll come back to that. 
He said he heard the sheriff's department is still investigating. He was told they've identified apparently 20 people so far. Considering most of them aren't even wearing masks in the video that, you know, the security camera footage from his house, this should not be that difficult. You should be able to find out exactly who was involved. He added that he was told if they did bring charges, it would mostly like be for aggravated harassment. I would say the discrimination should kick in here because swastikas and racial epitaphs, I'm guessing the N-word, yeah, 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 no, 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 no. The Mankato Free Press had contacted the Sheriff's Department for comment, but not to hear back. Aladdin said he's heard his family wasn't the only one targeted on Monday night last week. I was actually told by a friend of mine who was actually a school board member that there were multiple incidents involving Waterville, Elias, uh, uh, Ellison, uh, students at other locations, one family's parents who are a lesbian couple, they were targeted as well. So just the WEM school district here, let's make sure we understand this. They targeted the black family. They targeted the gay family. These are the students. Aladdin said he pushed for a homecoming activity to be canceled this week, adding that problems like this have been going on for years. He added that the LGBTQ students have been impacted by similar incidents going back again to at least where my daughter was in school every year this happened where there's been some sort of incident where vandalization harassment he said as of friday morning the school district canceled all remaining homecoming activities including a coronation pep fest and the dance according to the statement from uh, superintendent john regan the decision came after continued uh, incidents of vandalism thursday evening so apparently monday evening a roving gang of the high school kids of the Nazi youth down at the WEM high heads on out, starts vandalizing black families, terrorizing gay families, and other people were attacked as well. In the process of dealing with this, to show you how little concern these kids had for being held accountable, that night after the school district said, we want to warn people, don't do this, They apparently busted into the school and vandalized the school. Uh, As you know, we hold our students to high standards, whether it's in the classroom, competing in extracurricular activities, or taking part in other events. We will continue to take all code of conduct violations very seriously. It will issue disciplinary action when possible, the statement read in the part. School board chair Gary uh, Chair Gary uh, Michael said he felt completely disgusted and real sadness upon hearing the news of these racial incidents, adding he knows Al- Aladdin family well. He said the school district has limited how it can discipline students of our activities that take place outside of the school unless they are athletes. He said athletes who might have participated will face consequences. Will they? Will they? Or will it be the backup quarterback will face consequences? The starting quarterback, we need him for Thursday night's game. Michael also said he's looking for what outside resources they can bring in the school district to make incidents like this don't happen again. The administration and the school board are going to put their heads together to try to figure out a plan forward, a long-term plan to try to curb um, this kind of activity in the future. So once again, I want to make sure we talk about this because this is disturbing. Uh, this is Waterville uh, Elysian Morristown School. Watertown Elysian Morristown, W-E-M. The first thing I did when I heard this, I said, 50 kids. How many kids total are in this school? And I went and looked. And it says it's between 200 and 250 kids are in this school. So I want to step back on that one to begin with. 
So either a quarter or a fifth of the entire student body, if 50 kids were involved in this one incident, and by the way, it sounds like these were time-targeted incidents across this area by these racist Nazi kids, and someone has to call them what they are. You're putting swastikas on vehicles. Yeah, Nazis. They at least had 50 kids involved, if not more, which would be a quarter to a fifth of the entire student population of the school. Holy God, has that gotten out of control? Holy, a quarter to a fifth of the school? Hey, I I mean, there are always some elements of this in the school. I've never even heard of 10 or 12 maybe, but a quarter of the school and a bunch of Nazi pigs? It tells you a lot about the parents and the area they're being raised in. It tells you a lot there. And more, when I come on back, I'm going to take some time here. When I come on back... And we're going to, we'll explain a little bit more in regards to why this is really going on, why this is able to go along right now. 952-946-6205, We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Hey, let's give away some uh, pay-per-view pass uh, to Stephanie Miller, the Sexy Liberal Show. That is coming up on Saturday night. If you would like to try to win yourself a pay-per-view pass to watch Stephanie Miller and all of her guests and all of her special guests on the Sexy Liberal Show live from Los Angeles, uh, call number 5-952-946-6205. 952 946 6205 952 946 Caller number five, give Patrick a call and harass him. Please do. All right. So I want to get back to this Waterville Elysian Morristown School District because the reality is that you can't... Okay, first of all, I want to make sure we understand exactly, exactly how this is got, how we got here. We have a small town school, and I have lived in small towns for portions of my life. I have seen this firsthand, where kids get caught red-handed drinking and driving, sexual assault, drug use, whatever the case may be. But because they are either and or a a, a wealthy white kid, uh, kid from one of the wealthier families in the community or a star athlete on one of the teams, all of a sudden that gets swept under the rug and they've got to do some extra PT with their coach or they've got a little bit of detention for a few days, which, by the way, seems to go away after the second day. And doesn't seem to really be something that they are they're held to because it's small town America and the local county sheriff and the local police departments. They're not about to go upset these people because they're terrified of getting run out of office or run out of town. So 
this is crimes committed by wealthy white kids or star athletes and or star athletes, but they're tolerated because that's just that's just country life. That's what happens in a small town, Matt. That's what happens in a small town, even though it's absolute bull. So you have that existing standard which has existed there. What you also have on this is clearly a crapload of racist jackasses who live in Waterville, Elysian, and Morristown area. Because you don't have 50 racist kids. You don't have 50 racist kids running around, bigoted kids, racist kids running around and doing this without a whole bunch of racist parents and a racist mentality within the society of the community. And I know that there's going to be, how dare you question small town values? Swastikas are small town values? Going out there and tormenting neighborhoods, black people, is a small town value? Going out there and, and, and harassing the, the LGBTQ community, that's, that's small town values? Breaking into the school is small town values? How dare you? you you're, just, you're just trying to make excuses for the racism. That's all you're doing is you're trying to make excuses for the racism. Stop it. You got a ton of racists. And sure, we can talk about the fact that in rural America, that the only media that a lot of these people get is far-right extremist news, where they think that the Nazis are somehow an acceptable, accepted political point of view, that racism is, 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 is common out there. That's what they get. And it is bred and incubated a bunch of really crappy freaking kids in the Waterville, Elysian, Morristown community. And before anyone looks at you, it's like, how dare you, man? No, how dare you guys? This hasn't, this isn't just out of nowhere. You guys knew this was down there and you've done nothing to deal with this and address it. You got a real, you got a real crime problem down there of racist and bigots. And can we all just prepare ourselves? For the bigot parent, the, the racist parents, the bigoted parents, the, the human pieces of crap that are in the Waterville, Elysian, Morristown community. That when the school district realizes, okay, we got to put in some, some, some classes and some mandatory learning about acceptance and tolerance and stuff like that. The parents going up saying, I'm yanking my kid out of this school district because it's going woke. How dare you not let us draw swastikas on anyone's car? How dare you not let us go up there and torment those gay people? We see you. We know exactly who you are. You're all, all of you involved in this are human trash. And frankly, I don't have any faith that the local law enforcement down there is going to help these people because their mindset is, well, I, I better let the mob go. You know, when you talk about mob violence, that it, when it happens, it's not that the police are not aware of it going on. It's that they make the conscious decision to allow the mob to take over. And frankly, that's what you're seeing in the Waterville, Elysian, Morristown situation. And sounds like in the other town as well. The mob mentality rules. Because it would take these law enforcement officers down there to find their freaking spine to go to the wealthiest person in the town and say, your son's a piece of crap. You need, he, he, we got him on camera doing this. 
Now, I don't know if it is the wealthiest kids in town, but that's kind of the mentality. Going to a wealthy person's house and saying your son is under arrest for a hate crime. Going to the star goalie on your hockey team and saying you're off the team this year because you're a bigot. And the police and the school district don't have the guts or the spine to do what they need to do. We say this as we are in this modern world where try that in a small town. Well, these people are trying this stuff all the time. And the small town just smiles and whistles and at best just ignores it. If there isn't some consequences, you got these people on camera, you know, vandalizing a car with with racist, you know, comments and stuff like this. If this is something that is not handled effectively by that local law enforcement, I beg and implore Attorney General Keith Ellison to go down there and start freaking dragging the wealthy white kid, the star goalie, out of their class, put them in cuffs, and make them realize you can't just go on out there and be an absolute bigot and racist. You can't just openly discriminate against people. Because someone needs to go down there and teach these kids a lesson they should have learned a long time ago. And no, that's not how to be the biggest racist you can. It's basically how to be a decent human being. You absolute scumbags. All of you. I don't care if you're 16, 17. You're absolute scumbags. And you should all be prosecuted. 952-94. As adults. As adults. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. What a mess. What a mess. Who's our, we, we have a winner, per chance? We do have a winner. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, we, we, we no, <laughs> give me a second. It's uh, Christine Bresney from Bloomington. Christine, congratulations. congratulations. You've won yourself the pay-per-view pass to go watch Sexy Liberal on Saturday night. Uh, we have, of course, once again, tomorrow, the social media post Steph is awesome. Steph is awesome. That's the phrase you need to put in the comment section on the AM950 Twitter feed, AM950 Facebook feed, AM950 Instagram feed. And we'll put that post out there about 9 a.m. tomorrow. You have until 2 to get in there. Steph is awesome. Also, listen tomorrow for your another chance to win during this show. Let's take a break. Come on back. Michael Broadcorp is happy because his Vikings team got a win. We'll talk to him about the Vikes when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. It is a Monday after the Vikings have played. And Michael Broadcorp, our usual political expert, he is kind enough to join us today as our Vikings expert to talk a little bit about the game yesterday and uh, what chance they've got next week against San Francisco. Hi, Michael. How are you, my friend? It's great to be here. Big win yesterday. It, It was nice. Boy, the Bears are a bad team. They are. That is one of the worst teams I've seen in a long time. It was, um, you know, a win is a win, a messy win is a win, an ugly win is a win. That was an ugly win. And um, I, I don't think uh, anyone, I mean, it's a win. It's points on the board. Mm-hmm. As I told your producer before I came on, points on the board, that's what we needed. But we shouldn't feel good about it. Uh, but we should also feel good about it because we did win. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> and it is against Chicago. Who does who doesn't enjoy yeah. that? Uh, so okay, let's let's talk first to the defense because uh, the defense not only got an interception for a touchdown, but they also basically sealed the game with with two minutes left in the game. They intercepted an ill advised pass, to say the least. And um, they able to run it back and were able to run out the clock at that point. That ended the game. Uh, 19-13, I believe, was the final score there. So, you know, it is kind of a situation where, you know, the, the, the team, the, the defense came through and was able to deliver the, the victory. Yes, this is the game where I, I feel, the, feel the best about the defense. I think they showed a lot of signs of life yesterday. And, you know, all kidding aside, it, it was a win. It was an ugly win, but there was a lot of, there's a lot of things to be positive about, about that win yesterday. And, uh, the defense did a number of things to show that they have some signs of life. Um, again, you know, it, it, the Vikings just do enough to, to, to bring you back in. Just like when you feel that you're out, they drag you back in. And there's a lot of things, um, that you can look at that game yesterday and say to yourself, there's there's opportunity here. There's reason to believe. There's reason to be optimistic. There's reason to have hope. Well, and and I think that there is you know there is there definitely is. And losing Justin Jefferson for a few weeks is not a good thing. I thought the the receivers did well. Obviously, uh, T.J. Hawkinson is a, is a guy they're going to pr- pretty much going to be the main reception you know point, kind of like San Francisco and right. uh, Kansas City have that. That's their their primary number one target is a, is the tight end. But at the same time, can I just say there's a cultural element of this team that is not just a Kirk Cousins thing. I've been watching this for years. This team gets into third and long situations. And the mentality is a three-yard pass when you have to get 12 yards is a good idea when the concept is you're banking on the defense screwing up for you to get the first down. It, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm stunned. I mean, you watch like the Pittsburgh Steelers when they play a game. If they've got a 12-yard, it's, it's, it's third and 12. Every receiver is 12 yards out or more, and they're throwing it for distance. I mean, it, it is just amazing how over the decades the Vikings have had QBs who on third and 12 are throwing three yards and just then walk in for the bench. Correct. And one of the things, as much as we want to be positive and offer constructive criticism to the Vikings, every week when we're on here talking about the, the outcome of the game, there's a big difference between this Vikings team and some of the other teams that, you know, that play on Sundays. I mean, there's a big difference between the Vikings and the Eagles. There's a big difference between the, the, the Vikings and the 49ers, which we should talk about a bit because that's the game coming up for the Vikings. Yeah. But they're just a structurally different team. And, you know, I think what we're looking at this season, Matt, is what we're looking at is every day, the day after a game, the glass is at a, on a good situation, the glass is half full. That there's things that we can be po- somewhat positive about, but this is not a team. This is not a team, as we consistently said, that's just a tweak or two away from, from being performing at the levels at which they need to to compete in the NFL. I mean, the defense did great yesterday. There was a number of, 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 of opportunities that they, that they helped step up and do. Uh, needed to come in at critical times, but again, it was Chicago, which is you know tough to tough to tough to come to that realization sometimes. But there's a lot. There's still reason to believe, and we're coming into a Monday night football game um, with San Francisco 49ers, which the Vikings could really flip their destiny if they win. Uh, I think current polling or current uh, stats uh, probability of making the playoffs, the Vikings are around 30 percent right now. Based on, I think, the New York Times gives the Vikings roughly a, a 30, 30% chance of making the playoffs. 
right now, if they win next Monday against the 49ers, boy, I think that number is going to go up quite a bit. I would agree with that, and and just you know, if you look at the 49ers, they the McCaffrey was out against uh, Cleveland. They lost yesterday. He was out, and Debo Samuel's was uh, as well. It, it, more than likely, if you just know how teams work, they're both going to probably. Both those guys, they're going to rest. They don't look at, I think, the Vikings as a team that is going to be too dangerous for them, and they probably are going to rest them, which is to our benefit. Because whereas if those two guys are healthy and they're starting, that's a very difficult game for the Vikings to win. Without McCaffrey and and, and Samuels, and they've got Purdy, Brock Purdy, their quarterback, if he doesn't have stellar receivers ready to throw to, he looks very average, and that's what he kind of looked like in that Cleveland game. There is a legit chance. I do not think this is necessarily a a slam dunk San Francisco win. I think that the Vikes have a legitimate chance here because if those two guys are not playing, which my guess is going to be not because they'll want to save them for their their divisional games and the bigger games coming down the line, then it, it there's a, d- a distinct chance the Vikings could pull off that and, and get that win at home. You're absolutely right. That's a very reasonable scenario. And I think that we should just be honest and say that this is not a good Vikings team. Yeah. Um, that we, if we just if we say it, I think we maybe could be a bit, a little bit more honest with our analysis. This is just not a great Vikings team this year, and there wasn't um, a lot of expectations coming in as to what they would do. And so the fact that we're look, you know, we got that win, uh, you know, at Soldier Field, um, that was not a guarantee. Um, that was absolutely not a guarantee that they could win. There was a, a lot of times in that game where. There was reasons for Vikings fans to be concerned. Uh, but there's an absolute possibility um, that come Monday night, come Monday night with San Francisco, the Vikings could be in a position to win that game. And if they do, we're coming into, they have a, you know, the, the central division is, I mean, the NFC, I keep saying, I always say the central division. My goodness gracious. I'm going to get booted off the show. But <laughs> the division is, the division is interesting this cycle this year because of the Lions and, and their dominance in the league. They have a, what they have a, three-game lead over the Vikings right now Yeah, um, in the NFC North. And so the Vikings still have to play Detroit two more times. We have to play Green Bay two more times. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done for this team to get through the bulk of their division schedule. It's kind of a funny stat, but the Vikings are 1-0 in their division right now, um, which is, you know, and they're, in, they're, in, they're in division record right now. They're 1-0. So it's interesting to see. There is a number of scenarios by which if the Vikings win, they could they win next Monday, they could hold temporarily hold a wild card spot in the playoffs. And so there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of fluidity in the rest of the schedule for the Vikings. But I think as we've consistently said over the previous weeks leading up, the Vikings just have to win every week. And that's just the position that they're in. And you brought up something three or four weeks ago which I'm going to bring up now. After this 49ers game, this schedule all of a sudden looks a lot different. And if you're three and four after the 49ers, and I mean, even if you're two and five, I will say this. At the Packers, at the Falcons, host the Saints, at the Broncos, host the Bears, at the Raiders, at the Bengals, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games there where you may not be the favorite, but you're only going to be an underdog by a point or two. And if you do, if they go on a run there, 
there is a legit possibility that not only will this team be a playoff team, but they'll be, you know, th- those last uh, of those last three games, two of which are against Detroit, uh, those are going to be very important games, and they're going to determine who wins the NFC North. Absolutely. I think you're spot on with, you're spot on with your analysis. One of the things that I think the Vikings, I think that's one of the problems with being a Vikings fan, particularly with this team, is that it's difficult sometimes for Vikings fans to just have the beat the blowout season. And they're going to want to fight. We, there's just an expectation that they fight every week for, to, for, to get a win. And yesterday was a game that, you know, you got the W, but you didn't feel good about it. But there's a number of scenarios here that you can pull together, as you just articulated, where the Vikings could still be in this. And the question is ultimately for the long-term growth of this, of this team is do we want to make a wild-card bid? Do we want to get into the playoffs with a wild-card? Are we better off just you know, taking advantage of the remaining schedule and, and playing the long game? And that's what you're seeing discussed on uh, – that will be discussed at homes and at, you know, on social media as to what direction should this team go. But honestly, I think it's important for us to be candid and say this is not a good team, but there are opportunities that exist for the balance of the season. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we will be moving you to Tuesday next week, obviously, because of this. Oh, fantastic, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, um, question for you, and I heard uh, I heard uh, two friends talking about this, and I want to you know get your thoughts on this. Dalvin Cook's still part of this team. They actually have two more wins. Uh, what is your thought on that? I mean, he's not exactly tearing it up with the Jets. I mean, he's not bad. But it's uh, you know it's 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 not exactly like he's you know the Jets are a juggernaut with Dalvin Cook there. So the question I have is is kind of one of those things is where do you think this team would be if Dalvin Cook was still the running back? I would think that we would be in a better position. I just honestly do. There was you know I, I don't I, I understand your perspective on the Jets, but I just think I understand the reasons why they had to do it. And there's going to be some tough decisions that need to happen with this team coming into particularly at the end of the season, whether no matter where they end up. But I do believe, and it's a very interesting question, I do believe that if, if Cook was around, I think they might have a, a game or two that they've picked up. They might be in a, in a much different position. Um, but that's just the reality. And, and we don't know, ultimately, because of where Dalvin is. It, I think I would have liked to stay, seen him stay here in Minnesota, but he's gone. And, you know, look at Adam Thielen, for instance. Yeah. I mean, he's with, you know, he's with Carolina. And they're own six. It's the sign of the cross. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, and think of where he was last year. Fortunes can pivot and fortunes can change. Yeah. I do think the loss of Thielen, the loss of, uh, of Cook, uh, and, you know, Jefferson, where he's been at, he's going to be on IR for a couple more weeks. It's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But the, yeah. the Vikings have that opportunity. Just like the Godfather, they suck you right back in every every Sunday. Well, or and, Monday night. And your and your point about Thielen, if Thielen was still on this team and Jefferson went down, it would still be a pretty powerful offense. And, and nothing against I, I like Addison and I, you know KJ Osborne is is enjoying there, but the, it's I think that beyond those two and Hockelson, the TJ, it, it's it really is. There's not a lot of depth there. So yeah, you're you're right. If those two guys are on this team, this is probably a much better team. And it, it, it's you know as you say, fates do turn. All right, I got I got to ask you a political question before you go because I got you here. Uh, I'm going to give it on the national front here because it's kind of quiet locally politically. Uh, your thoughts on Jim Jordan as potentially the new speaker. I don't think it's going to happen because I do think that there's enough people in the Republican Party in the House that don't like the idea of him. 
But I also wouldn't be surprised if people just kind of threw their hands in the air and saying we can't just be speakerless forever. I think it's the latter. I mean, I think there's a real possibility uh, that he becomes speaker because I think Republicans are tired. I think mm-hmm. that this process has worn them down. Um, and I think that they just, if, if where does it end then? Um, because you're going from a compromise, from a compromise to a compromise. And obviously, I, you know, obviously there's a lot of frustration with Gates, Congressman Gates and what he did in the 4% of the, the House Republicans that voted to remove McCarthy as Speaker. Um, you know, they got a pound of flesh out of Scalise. And now Jordan, um, it's interesting to see that dynamic play. It's interesting to see what happens tomorrow on the boat. I will say to you, Something that I think the overall relationship of the House caucus will be interesting after they move past this election, because there's been a number of reports about um, producers with Sean Hannity asking some pretty pointed questions, getting involved in that caucus election. Um, Members can be very proprietary about those leadership elections and how they vote in the caucus, and they sometimes don't like there to be outside influence. And so I have a difficult time Seeing, let's say, for instance, that Jordan is the, the speaker. Is Jordan the guy that's going to keep the, the gavel in the Republicans' hands? I just don't know. Mm-hmm. I just don't know about that. Um, it's, there's just been a lot of frustration. There's been a lot of conversations. I've spoken to a lot of staff out in Washington over the last week that have, uh, you know, just on background, kind of getting the perspectives. And it's been a frustrating process. I think it's been much more hard behind the scenes. I mean, the public has seen, I think, the delay. They've seen Scalise drop, um, and they've seen the rise of Jordan now. But this behind-the-scenes has been rough, and I think that there's going to need to be some time that the House Republican Caucus is going to have to work together and get some of their cooperation back. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because of the issues at hand right now going on uh, around the world uh, and and in the United States, I don't know if they're going to get much breathing room to do that. I just don't know if they're going to get much breathing room to do that. If Jim Jordan does not become speaker, what's your thought on the likelihood that they just basically throw their hands in the air, get McCarthy back, and he becomes a speaker again? I think it's more likely that McHenry would do something, Patrick McHenry, than I think McCarthy, than, than McCarthy coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know. Uh, I think that the that there's been just a you know uh, McCarthy and Gates have even though he's been out and he's no longer the speaker, they've been pretty hard with each other. And I just don't see how that dynamic works. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how that dynamic works. Mm-hmm. I think that this is headed towards, I don't know at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the legislative session, or the beginning of the Congress, that Jim Jordan would have, would have been on the top of anyone's list, but this is what happens. Politics is the art of compromise. It is the, it is, a, the, it is a lot of times it's about addition uh, more than subtraction, and the Republicans right now have been playing the addition game, trying to come up with the 217 they needed to win. Needed to win, And it appears as to right now they have a candidate that is in a position to do that. It's, we won't know until the vote comes tomorrow. Right. Um, but if, if Jordan isn't the candidate, I do believe it's more likely that, it's a, that they just stick with McHenry uh, than they go with McCarthy or someone else. Uh, Michael Broadcorp, of course, uh, the, uh, the the breakdown, the podcast, he's got that. Link to all that a little bit later on. Of course, we'll spotlight this interview. Michael, enjoy your week of triumph over the dreaded Bears. We look forward to chatting with you next Tuesday after hopefully a victory over the 49ers. 
look forward to being here, sir. Thank you so much for the opportunity again. It's, it's You're great, man. It's, it's very nice to have you. Michael Broadcorp, our Vikings expert and our political expert as well, uh, kind enough to join us today. We'll take a break, wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil show. So I made a post this morning about Trump. And if you've not been paying attention, he is clearly having a lot of cognitive issues. This is a line from a speech he did today. He was in Iowa today. This is, I'm going to read this verbatim. We're going to turn Christmas a room Remember, the department stores weren't re... They refused to use the word krish. He he's he doesn't make any damn sense. He's clear. If, if Joe Biden had one of these gas, the media in this country would be screaming about how he's mentally unfit to serve in office. Donald Trump has... 30 or 40 of these every single speech. He does he's not mentally well. And yet he's going to coast to the Republican nomination. 9529466205. I have to I have to uh, I, I just, oh no. Oh no. My pillow CEO Mike Lindell's decision to defend himself in the multi-million dollar defamation lawsuit against him is a quote mistake, and his opponent's attorney will quote run circles around him, according to a law expert. Lindell is making a mistake," said Niyama Rahami, president of the West Coast Trial Lawyers Law Firm, in an interview with Newsweek. He's not a lawyer; he's never even tried a case. Dominion's attorneys are going to run circles around him. The pillow salesman, tycoon, and diehard supporter of Donald Trump's stolen election claim is being taken to court by Dominion, along with its competitor, Smartmatic, and former Dominion staffer named Eric Coomer. They claim Lindell publicly blaming them for the rigging of the presidential election. Lindell's decision to go alone in court comes days after he had publicly solicited for funds because he claimed he couldn't cover his mounting legal fees. That public appeal for cash trailed the decision that his legal team made seeking to quit the chief executive client, uh, claiming they were owed millions of dollars in unpaid bills. We've lost everything. Every dime Lindell says all of it's gone. Yeah, he's, he's in trouble. Um, he's in big trouble. Um, he's in a massive amount of trouble. And yeah, I, you know, it's, I can't not watch it. I, I, I hope that court case is televised because that will be spectacular viewing. Uh, Native Roots Radio, I'm awake. That's up next. Have a good one. We're back Tuesday. Until then, see ya.